Corey, what are your prime directives? Serve the public, protect the innocent, and listen to the Powerful Nerdcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Powerful Nerdcast. I am Corey, and joined with me, as always, is Christian. Hello, Internet. Oh, have we got an amazing show for you guys today. Not only are we going to discuss the latest episode of Dragon Ball Super, which, honestly, from an animation standpoint, I think kicked all sorts of ass. I think you can agree with me on that, Christian. I think that that episode is something that will be remembered for a long time. Yes, and it's also a, a very contentious episode. There's a lot of folks who are not really gelling it. And speaking of contention, they just released the very first trailer for Ghost in the Shell. That's right, they're finally adapting the anime and manga classic into an American Hollywood film, and that means an American Hollywood actor. Her name is Scarlett Johansson. But before we get to Ghost in the Shell, I think we need to talk about Dragon Ball Super. We need to talk about it. Yes, it was... An awesome episode. I mean, I think in terms of the action, probably the best stuff that I've seen from Dragon Ball Super, probably the best stuff that I've seen from Dragon Ball in a long time. It wasn't without its flaws, but damned if it wasn't super hyper-paced, incredibly impactful, and some of the best choreography that I think they've ever done. And what I think I love most about it is there's a lot of stuff that we haven't actually seen before. Yeah, seeing uh, Goku uh, like actually like do the uh, fusion with Vegeta and stuff was cool. We've seen that before, but I just feel like the actual battle itself and like some of the techniques was something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And actually seeing like our characters in a life or death scenario in Dragon Ball Super is kind of rare. And, and since Beerus has showed up, it's all been tournaments and training and and the quest to find out who Black Goku is. You know, you haven't felt like they've been putting it all on the line, but you knew at the end of this arc, it was uh they they weren't going to go back in time again and mm-hmm. then come back again. Like they this couldn't for do all that. The I think if they did that, they'd piss the fan base off too much. Absolutely. But I actually thought that the Goku part in the beginning of the episode, I actually forget the number of the episode now that we're talking mm-hmm. about it. I think it. it's uh, 66. 66. The actual fight, fight with uh, Goku in the beginning uh, with Zamas was probably one of my favorite parts. And I really liked the Trunks part, even though I completely understand the plot holes that some people yeah, are disappointed let, let, let's, about. Let's save that for the end of this discussion, because that's definitely, I think, the thing most people are... Uh, not really happy about. There's also the whole deal with the Patara earrings, because apparently they're changing the rules, or they're retconning them. Now, originally when they were going up against Majin Buu, they made it very clear that if you use these earrings, you will be stuck together. No question, no one even questioned it at all. And in fact, when both the Kaioshin and Kabito fused together, that was it. It was all permanent, and we just had to accept it. And when Goku and Vegeta were forced to actually fuse and turn into Vegito, they knew that this was going to happen as well. No one else gave them any other information about it. And in this week's episode of Dragon Ball Super, Gawas, a Kaioshin from another freaking uh, dimension... Another universe. A universe has actually said that, no, that's not the case. The reason that you guys actually split up is because either A, you ran out of time, or you didn't have the power to sustain the fusion. Maybe Majin Buu Stadi... Maybe Majin Buu's actual body, like, when they went inside of it, maybe it actually did cause them to defuse, like it sucked out all of their power. Maybe they actually did run out of time, but how do you feel about this big change to the rule of the Patara earrings? Because a lot of the comments on my review and what a lot of other people are saying is that it's basically just another ass pull, another retcon. Okay, so I don't really have a problem with the earrings, mostly because 
I like these fusion characters, so any excuse that they have, which I'm sure is what they were betting on, hey, the people want to see this so bad, they won't care where it comes from. You know, they'll just be happy it's there. So uh, I fall into that category where I don't really mind that they came up with a new way to have Goku and Vegeta fuse more often. I actually hope that they both carry the earrings around with them, you know, just in case they need them from now on. But it does kind of nullify the idea of traditional fusion. Like, why do you need that when it's only 30 minutes when you could use the earrings and get an hour, mm-hmm. you know? But they could also, if they were smart, if Goku and Vegeta wanted to test the science of the Dragon Ball Z universe, they could see what would last longer. The Batara earrings with them at full power burning through, you know, their time or fusion actually holding for 30 minutes and maybe giving them more time together, mm-hmm. you know? Because if you look about it, they actually didn't even get the whole hour. They only got like five minutes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested too because maybe maybe there's just a limiter on when you're just uh, – and that is something to bring up again too. Um, the only way that you can actually permanently fuse with someone is if you are a Kaioshin yourself. Yes, uh, only, like, that's the Kaioshins loophole. Only Kaioshins and like, their race can actually perfectly fuse together and stay that way permanently. Yeah, so th- that didn't bother me though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what made me think is like maybe the Kaioshin for our universe uh, – I think it's universe 7 in yeah. the Dragon Ball Z universe – Maybe he's just doesn't know that, you know, can it can that excuse fly in the fan base? Maybe? I don't know if it's going to fly because he was younger. You know, yeah. he looks like a younger Kaioshen versus uh, mm-hmm. gouache or squash or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> gouache. You know, <laughs> he's the color of squash. If that helps. He's, is uh, gouache mean squash? I have no idea. Well, everything it probably means- doesn't. <laughs> it probably does, though. Well, maybe not. But you know how like Goku or Kakarot means carrot. Yeah. And like there might be a pun behind the name of gouache. Yeah. You know, he's like a honeydew melon or something. Mm. Uh, but the point is that uh, I don't mind the new transformations. Mm. They, they don't bother me. They don't feel like an ass pull, as you so eloquently put it so often. <laughs> they feel like whatever. They're just adjusting the rules so we can uh, uh, see these characters like this more often. To be honest with you, uh, I don't I don't even mind the fact that they changed the rules. The thing that bothered me is that they told us about the rule. The re- and, and that kind of goes in line with me not kind of liking it either in a sense. But like... The minute they brought that up, you knew that Goku and Vegeta were going to defuse before the end of this battle. It was just a big flag saying they're not going to be able to finish this guy off as Vegito. They're going to get separated. Otherwise, we would not drop this fact on you guys. We would probably just jump right into the action. Uh, that's something that I did not catch, but you are correct. That yeah. does mean that. Uh, and I even mentioned that in my review, and I even said, like, I'm willing to let this go simply because of how awesome the fight is in this episode. I mean, we can all agree on that. No, no, it wasn't that good. You know, even the people who... <laughs> I'm kidding, Corey, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> even the people who, like, didn't like the actual episode, they're like, yeah, I still have to admit, though, the uh, the action was pretty sweet. And that's all we care about, guys, so if we give you know, it a 5 out of 10. No, we care about a good story, too. <laughs> we really do. Um, but, I mean, I just don't hold Dragon Ball up to, like, that type of pedestal. I think uh, one of the things you say a lot to me when refers when we refer to Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super, and you're like, look, we're not listening to Shakespeare here. We're just... You know, watching Dragon Ball Z. Like, yeah, exactly. what's the big deal? Or and Dragon they break Ball the Super. rules all the damn time. They even broke tons of rules in Dragon Ball. They broke them in Z. The tradition continues in Super. Listen, these characters have been strong enough to blow up planets since the first one-third of its existence. Yeah. You know, I mean, like... They should have accidentally destroyed the universe episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so whatever. They defuse in 30 minutes. I can't believe this. <laughs> I can't believe this. But I will say the Trunks shit, Trunks magically learning techniques, Trunks magically learning how to uh, use the ceiling pot, you know, like 
Trunks uh, Trunks getting super powerful. That is some bullshit, but it still doesn't bother me. I don't know. You know, like I understand from the storytelling. Yeah, point of view. I mean, I, I just I wish I could be more upset about it. But like while watching that, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm cool with this, though, just because the concept is new and interesting. The fact that he's able to create a key weapon, which has definitely been, I think, one of the biggest themes um, from the new techniques that we've actually seen. In yeah, this arc from this right arc, here. from this um, battle, which, you know, on, and I, did, I can't believe I didn't even think about this before. Maybe it's just because I haven't watched the arc in a really long time. But uh, we were always like really hyped when we saw Goku Black using the uh, the key sword technique and we're like, oh man, we never seen that before. Technically, Vegito did that against his battle against Super Buu, and he did it in an even more badass fashion. You remember the scene where he was like standing up in the air, and then he shot him with a key blast, and then he made the key blast stop in Majin Buu's shoulder, and then he slowly picked him up while maintaining the blast like a giant sword. I very briefly remember it that. It was a I, really short scene, but Vegito had done that before, so it does make sense that uh, Black would be able to use that technique because, of course, it's something that Goku had used before. That is true. They sort of that was just a black, or was it? It wasn't just a black technique. Zamas no. could do that as well. Yeah, right? Zamas could do that as well. But like, I, I didn't even think about that. I was like, yeah, Vegito did use that, like you know, one time. Yeah, but in at the, the same Buu time, uh, he didn't use it in the exact same way. It wasn't like a sword, you know. No, but like I said, he like he was able to extend and maintain it like a blade and lift uh, Majin Buu slowly up in the air, and then Majin Buu just like ripped his body off of the blade, uh, which was pretty awesome. But then you never really saw that technique again until this arc right here, where it was used in a number of different ways like of course uh goku black transforming it into a scythe but that was last episode stuff um but uh before we go back to the trunk stuff let's just talk about the fight again um what did you think of zamasa's brand new form like we, we all sort of guessed that the reason uh, half of his body was starting to melt away was because of goku black actually being merged with zamas like one of them is immortal one of them is not immortal you'd think that with their whole grand plan they would have like tried to make Goku Black into an immortal? First. Yeah, like before them... they even did this, you'd think they would have thought of this, but uh, that's because when he gets attacked, the other half of the body uh, can't actually sustain itself. So when it starts to heal, it transforms into this like giant purple gooey monster, which, look, you know, most people had a problem with the whole Patara earrings thing. I had a problem with the fact that the time ring just expanded in size when it was on the dude's hand. Wow. Okay, well, that is nitpicky as hell. Did you notice that, though? No, no, I didn't I, see that. I, I totally... I was like, hmm, that's... I even mentioned it in my review for just a bit. I was like, that's a little strange how the ring just suddenly grew in size. It's kind of like uh, Vegeta when he transformed into a, uh, a giant ape and how his uh, costume, like, they say it's stretchy material, but I call bullshit on that. It's very stretchy material. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe it's just so super futuristic and we just can't understand it's it. It's the but... ultimate futuristic sweatpants of material. Oh, yeah. That's going to be the most comfortable thing. Dragon Saturday Balls. wear. <laughs> Saiyan armor on Saturdays. Um, but did you have any like favorite scenes like or like favorite attacks from uh, Vegito? I just thought Vegito's attitude was one of the most in- entertaining part. Obviously, all of his, intac- his yeah. attacks, the, the final Kamehameha was awesome, all yeah. those things. Technically a new technique that we, uh, we've seen in the anime, but it has existed before in the video games. It's very lazy. Yes. I don't mean to get too critical here. But still, it's awesome. It's I mean, like it's the best thing from both of them. Yeah. And uh, I did like that, but I just think Vegito in general, his his attitude was one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they nailed the, the cockiness of Vegito you know but the uh child like sort of tendencies of goku you know yeah. kind of mixed together and I, I just thought that uh that character was the most interesting part of the episode to me mm-hmm. uh but again you know um then also um the goku parts in the beginning are still s- some of my favorite yeah parts we're with bringing the fu- out the kaioken for a little bit yeah i think goku also knows that that technique is just like you cannot use it often mm-hmm. and he doesn't you know no, he, he uses never uses it for it. like a split second 
just to sort of gain a little bit of an advantage against the moss. Mm-hmm. And then he just, uh, well, he burned out because he was already pretty dead. Oh, yeah. He had just done that giant Kamehameha that punched through Zamasa's uh, large, like, ball energy attack. The Holy Wrath. The Holy Wrath. Holy Wrath Balls. <laughs> Watch out for your Holy Wrath Balls. It didn't work out for Madara either. He had Holy Wrath Balls. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of ball sim- symbolism in anime. <laughs> Lots of it. Yeah, so do you want to get on the Trunks thing now? Uh, yes, Trunks. So... Trunks displayed a brand new technique in this episode, which is borderline a spirit bomb sword, where he was able to absorb all of the energy from the people of Earth, and we have to keep in mind, there are not that many people on Earth, and I'd say a large chunk of the galaxy, those who are at least humanoid-based, have probably been wiped out by Goku Black, so he basically relied on getting all of his energy from the very small population of Earth and Goku and Vegeta, and maybe Mayan Bulma did something? I don't know, they're not exactly super-powered fighters. The point is, Trunks was able to create this massive sparkling glittery sword which has the power to kill a god apparently now it hasn't been officially confirmed that trunks is the one to defeat zamas there is a preview for the next episode that shows that zeno is going to arrive maybe zeno is going to show up and finish the job maybe zamas is going to start to heal himself again transforming into an even more disgusting beast and zeno is just going to like point at him and he's just going to die like, this will be, honestly, maybe the best way to demonstrate how powerful Zeno is. I mean, we've already seen the demonstration from Beerus when he killed the past version of Zamas. This is the perfect opportunity to show what Zeno is going to be capable of. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm excited to see where these actually these new characters go now that we had so many cool ones introduced. But the other thing is, uh, like, Trunks being able to actually defeat Zamas was kind of... It's two things for me. One, it's bullcrap. Yeah. But at the same time, it's poetic justice because yes. Zamas is the one that actually ended up messing up Trunks's future, and uh, it's poetic and it, it like wraps it up real nice and tight. You know, if he's the one that kills him. Yeah. Because Goku and Vegeta aren't even really from that time. No, and it's it's worth mentioning too that uh, when v- uh, Vegeta and Goku defuse, they get their ass handed to them again. They get completely destroyed by Fusion Zamas, and uh, I agree. I do think it's a little ridiculous that Trunks is actually going to be the one to finish it off, but at the same time, I'm like, Trunks is the one who actually got to finish him off. Like, how many arcs can you think of that don't involve Goku or, like, his son defeating the main villain of the series? Not, Not a many. single one. Well, Trunks is like the uh, the professional killer of the Dragon Ball Z world, you know? Yeah, like when he kills people, he fucks their shit up, and he just <laughs> loves cutting them in half, like straight up from the middle. That's that's one of his things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I loved that scene when he had like the giant sword, and then he stabbed him, and then slowly pulled it up, and then the episode just ends with his body being cut in half. Like, that was a really great moment. Um, it, it I, I wish, and this is going to be, you know, a little fucked up, but I wish it was kind of in the vein of Frieza, where it was like kind of bloody and kind of fucked up in a way. Um, that is something I've noticed from Dragon Ball Super. It's it's a lot more censored than the original Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, like, just remember the scene of Frieza on Namek when he was ripping Nail's arm off? Oh, yeah. Or even more hilariously in, in the... Uh, the I, I remember, like, people were like, have you seen the uncensored version? Like, everyone would always talk about it. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what are you talking about? And then you see, you're like, oh, God! There's close-ups of blood squirting out and shit. And, like, when Frieza got cut up, there was blood. You could see, like, parts of his body inside and stuff. And uh, here it's just, like, a blinding white light, which is something they do a lot. The characters themselves barely even... I don't think they ever bleed 
for the most part anymore. And, and that just, it happened a lot. But They do uh, that, get that's, scratched. They get yeah. they get ripped clothes, Corey. Pretty much, yeah. Battle damage. Like, you know, they've been, both Vegeta and Goku have been impaled, like, multiple times in Dragon Ball Super to the point where it's actually become kind of a joke. And it's always just, like, a gaping black hole. Like, it, it goes to nowhere. There's never any blood. And there should be blood just exploding all over the place. No, Goku is trained so hard he can keep his blood on the yeah. inside. Unless they want to just say that the beams are somehow cauterizing the wound, but I don't think the beams actually work that way. It's not actually like a burning heat. It's just it's 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 pure energy. Um, but yeah, Trunks defeating Zamas. I can understand why a lot of people are upset about it, especially because this entire arc he's just been getting progressively more powerful out of nowhere. Like he hasn't really done any special training. Yeah, he did. He trained with Vegeta the whole time right before they went back in time. Is that true? Yeah, he trained like nonstop with Vegeta. You know, hmm, maybe then maybe he did. Ha I mean, Vegeta's a really good teacher. He knows the secrets of being a Super Saiyan God. He could have taught his son something. Well, he he also trained against uh, him as a Super Saiyan God. You know, like that yeah. was one of the things. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in blue, mm -hmm. and you, that's the way we're going to train. Yeah. You know, so I think that uh, that was really important for Trunks understanding yeah. Super Saiyan Blue. You know, Trunks also has a lot of potential uh, because I mean we've seen that with characters like Gohan because he's a half human, half Saiyan. Uh, just for some odd reason, they're able to reach this level. If they really work for it, they can attain some crazy power. And uh, this could be a combination of that and just the fact that Trunks has grown up in this environment. I mean, he's very different from the Trunks of the uh, the present timeline. He's always lived in a post-apocalyptic setting, having to learn how to constantly fight. And maybe this is just sort of what pushed him to the next level. It's just a little weird that it happened so fast. That's the main thing. Well, you know? it's crap, you know. <laughs> You know. um, but still very watchable, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're able to look past some of that stuff, I honestly think we're looking at a pretty damn solid episode of the series. Um, I even say one of the best, you know, you I, know? I originally said it was probably my favorite, but I think it's actually kind of tied with Goku, uh, fighting against hit, which I really loved that fight as well. When he went Kaioken in that episode, um, just, I loved a lot of the animation moments from that one, but, uh, this one right here did a lot of new things. Like, the overall battle between Vegito and, uh, Zamas was really hard-hitting because it was just like watching two monsters fight. Like, there were a lot of scenes where Goku would just, like, grab him by the head and just slam him into the ground and stuff, just being, like, really brutal and not very, like, tactful with how he was fighting, just uh -huh. using a lot of brute force. And I just, I really loved that aspect of it. Um, just, uh, they're gonna have to really top themselves with this one, um, but it's definitely not the best... Dragon Ball fight that I've seen. I can think of others that I like more. Hell, I actually like Goku's fight with Piccolo in the uh, in Dragon Ball, the final tournament, a little bit more. Um, but this one right here, I still think is a really solid addition to the series and shows what Dragon Ball Super can truly be capable of. It just sucks that it took 66 episodes to kind of get there. I have to agree. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy that it took this long to get a badass episode like this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they had to get through a lot of crap in the beginning. Yeah. They had to get through what all the movies had done. Yeah, And that's they not to say that Dragon Ball Super is uh, you know, terrible. There's still a lot of little moments that I love in the series. I love the anime version of Vegeta wailing on uh, Golden Frieza. I love pretty much the entire tournament for the most part. Um, I still think Vegeta versus Magetta is one of the best fights of the series, period. I know you always think that's a stupid one, but I really love that one. Um, and I loved Goku versus Hit. I just thought that one was great. Goku versus Hit was great. It's just a, it was a traditional tournament fight. And yeah. I like more of the monster battle yeah, fights. Yeah, that's what this one was. This was yeah. like non-tournament, you know, for the sake of the universe kind of battle. For the sake uh, of the universe. You know, really, really just epic. Z right Warriors. <laughs> 
What's your best uh, announcer voice? They don't do that anymore, though. They don't. Do, well, they they never really did it in the Japanese version, but they just have the same guy, Dragon the Borzetto. And that's it. <laughs> that's I want. Much. I want the the recap deep voice dude that looks like he just got done pounding a pack of cigarettes and then came in and started talking about Goku. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly who you mean. <laughs> Fucking Mike Goldberg of that's, Dragon Ball that's, Z. That's, that's, that's some tsunami shit right there. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm just like hung on that. But yeah. yeah. Okay, so we also have something else I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. and that is the new Ghost in the Shell trailer. That's right. It finally ah. dropped. Now, before we talk about the actual uh, trailer, like, what's your history with Ghost in the Shell? Like, uh, are you familiar with the movie? I the have TV seen shows? the movie about two times when I was younger because mm-hmm. I thought the action was epic. Yeah. But I could not get my head around the idea of a cyborg not understanding life and you know not understanding what it meant to be alive and like some of those subtones you know that were kind of in there Mm -hmm. i didn't understand any of that when i was a kid of course not i mean when we were younger and we wanted to watch an anime series we'd have to go to the video store and our options were really limited and ghost in the shell was one of those first anime that i think a lot of us were exposed to even like before the tsunami days and it was a really heavy anime series to be exposed to because like you said the themes are just they're gonna just fly over the heads of many kids, um, and and even now uh, I still think it's kind of convoluted in some senses, and it's still a very thought provoking film. Um, I still think the original Ghost in the Shell is probably the best that the franchise has to offer. That's not to say that the anime series uh, sequels that they do later on are uh, bad, like Standalone Complex. Did you ever see any of that? No, I haven't seen anything else besides the movies okay well I mean, or the movie th- I say. but that's kind of the beauty of ghost in the shell and kind of i think what is going to be the beauty of this movie as well is that it's been reinterpreted multiple times uh it's been told with uh you know different elements into the story like the uh, the anime series standalone complex really doesn't have anything to do with the movie version it's kind of set within its own universe but it still carries a lot of the same themes and uh philosophy um which are pretty freaking heavy i mean touching upon stuff like uh you know, bodies being replaced with a synthetic form, or what exactly does it mean to be a ghost? Is the ghost the human shell or the human soul? Uh, is, is it the actual ghost, or is it the body that contains the soul? Like, there's so much, like, philosophy in this, like, hardcore sci-fi thriller, which is really great, and obviously taking a lot of inspiration from movies like Blade Runner, and, you know, I know you're a fan of this franchise. I mean, without Ghost in the Shell, I don't think you would have had The Matrix. I know. The the Ghost in the Shell really does lay the foundation for The Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that. And also, I feel like we were, we're, as a society, in our entertainment, we're now ready for Ghost in the Shell. Exactly. You have things like Westworld, which is kind of very in the same vein. You know, you've had things like that Will Smith movie. What was that? Was that AI? No, AI is a different one but we've just sort of always and especially recently um irobot that was it deus ex machina uh, deus ex machina well that's an obvious one i'm surprised mm. i didn't even think of that yeah. um we just were ready to discuss what it means to be alive you know and what ai is going to mean for us as it, it advances mm-hmm. and uh we're just really gonna yeah. uh, uh see what this is all about and i think we're just ready for it now yeah. and you just know. like in ghost in the shell we're kind of like reach that point where we're now living in like a fully connected world. That's a good way to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we are living in a fully connected you know, world. Constant information. We know everything that's going on with people. I mean, obviously, to the extent in Ghost in the Shell is an entirely new thing, especially because one of the biggest themes of Ghost in the Shell is that a lot of people have become cyberized or they've been transformed into cyborgs and have a lot of, uh, you know, cybernetics, cybernetic implants and stuff. Like we're watching a scene right now from the uh, the classic film Ghost in the Shell, uh, the big marketplace scene where you have Bato who is just kicking all sorts of ass, which he's a character you'll definitely get to see in the trailer. Bato is definitely i think you know next to the major the the main character of the show they're like they're kind of like a i want to say buddy cop yeah they're like a feel. futuristic buddy cop movie mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but but, uh, but they're both robot people yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh the scene that you're actually looking at right now uh they're pretty much adapting it for the movie uh mm. especially the look of it like i think they've really captured that um, which is something that you know a lot of the times with anime adaptations to live action is really hard to do. Realistically, look, Scarlett Joe is the perfect white person to play this role because mm-hmm. uh, in the Avengers she plays um, Black what, Widow, Black Widow, yeah. who's kind of like Ghost in the Shell in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. You know, and, yeah, it, it's it's funny you say that. There is kind of a parallel between uh, Black Widow and uh, Major Motoko or Motoko, however you want to pronounce it. There's definitely some parallels. You know, these these uh, stressed out sort of like. Her, her range that she has to use as an actress is very sim- similar, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of stressed out, hardcore woman, badass, you know. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they chose her. I just want to see if they can pull off all the effects. And this is like the first time that I feel like we're actually getting a big Hollywood budget in adaptating uh, and, you know, taking the adaptation of anime up. It, it, I think I don't know if it's the first one. Um, but I think it's the first one that's at least maybe kind of doing it right or doing it competently. That's a good way to um, put it. But again, like this is like that shot right there. Take it exactly. They use this shot right here. They put it in the trailer. Um, like we're just gonna have to kind of scrub through the whole trailer. But like, yeah, I, I really do think they're doing a great job of capturing the essence of Ghost of the Shell at least. <sighs> Um, which is really hard to pull off, but obviously the biggest thing with this movie, a lot of people have been complaining about, of course, is that it's whitewashing uh, with the character of uh, but Scarlett not Johansson. Human, so maybe it's a that, that, and that's the thing that is so interesting about this movie, and it's one of the biggest themes of Ghost in the Shell in general is is about identity and like you know the major herself takes the form of a female, but she might as well just be a male too. You could take her personality and put it into a male cybernetic body, and it would change nothing. No, it wouldn't matter. It, it really, really wouldn't. And, you know, she is, of course, a, uh, you know, I guess you could say an anime sex symbol in a way. But, again, she doesn't really, like, display, like, a specific gender outside of what you see on the outside. Which is uh, what's really remarkable. And, in a way, yes, is more relevant now than I guess it's ever been. Yeah, you, there is an absence of humanity to that character mm-hmm. that uh, is not sexualized. Mm-hmm. So I always find it kind of interesting. And I, I'm, I'm a little confused, you know, with her kissing that one stripper chick or whatever. You know, we'll see what that's all about. Yeah, that, that's the thing. There are some things in the movie trailer which are a little different like that. And the fact that the major wants to know uh, a lot about her past, which I believe in the movie version, she really just doesn't really give a crap about. Well, like, they have to. I guess they got to find some motivation for the character. So I maybe. suppose, but I just to me, it's it's kind of cliche. The whole like I have to learn who I was so that I can live now. Like I don't know. I just I feel like we've seen that type of story so many times. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's it's too crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited just to see the idea of this be 
uh, a working model where they actually can do anime, mm-hmm. you know, because if they really can make it work, man, I'm excited because I really do want to see them, uh, you know, do more anime. Yeah, I think this could be the uh, the thing that gets people interested. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it does have that potential. I really do think it's going to happen. They have they pulled off comic books. I mean, yeah, they've done a pretty good job of pulling off the look and feel of a comic book. Um, it's just, you know, anime is so stylistic, and it's going to be hard to sort of... Ghost in the Shell, though, is very based in realism. It is based in realism, but it certainly has its elements of being super sci-fi and everything. But, like, looking at the scene we're looking at right now, the uh, the big tank, uh, the spider tank scene, um, it could be done, like, in a big Hollywood movie. Like, they could do this with all the special effects they have access to. They could use real helicopters, real sets... Um, you know, obviously they're gonna have to use a little bit of CGI. We can even see that in the trailer. Um, a little bit. The, yeah. the whole, all the backgrounds are fake. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Those are definitely not real whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but but that, uh, they're really good at painting backgrounds nowadays. I don't think people mm-hmm. people even notice. Like half of Game of Thrones is a painted background. Yeah. You know, like everything you see. I think has uh, something like that done to it nowadays. And so, uh, it, it might not be making up for the fact that Scarlett Johansson isn't a Japanese actress or anything, but I mean, there is a pretty diverse cast for this film. Uh, many of the actors, in fact, are Japanese, and even the setting itself is still pretty much the same setting of Ghost in the Shell, which is not actually Japan. It's actually, I think, like a, uh, a sectioned-off part of China, which belongs to Neo-Japan. So it, it kind of takes a lot of uh, elements. Oh, well, that from, makes sense. Yeah, I know. It's 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 within the confines of Ghost in the Shell. It makes sense. Um, but uh, the overall story seems to be the same, which is it's all about this secret group, which is known as Section Nine, which is uh, they have uh, the major major Kusanagi and Bato and their other group, and they're going after this hacker who goes by the name of the Puppet Master, who is causing all of these uh, terrorist attacks and all types of other crazy shit. It, it's a lot deeper than the way I'm putting it, uh, but they seem to be following that same general plot. Um, obviously, they're going to be embellishing on a few things and even making some few changes, the biggest one being that I think that uh, the major is going to be trying to find out about her past, which, again, like I said, I just don't care about. Um, but overall, I think that ScarJo looks good, as the major i mean like when i saw her i was also instantly like even if she's not like the major she's doing a really great cosplay of her you that's a good I mean? way to put it yeah you, <laughs> you know she's just like th- that's the best major cosplay that i've ever seen outside of just finding like an amazing japanese actress or something um but i think she could potentially pull it off but let's let's go ahead and look at the trailer i kind of want to scrub through that again oh the actual trailer, uh, trailer? yeah okay. um this way we can sort of like see some of the big differences um and maybe like see some of the influences that they took from the movie because I you know even though a lot of this is influenced by the first Ghost in the Shell movie from '95, uh, it is also taking some cues from Standalone Complex and uh, even from Ghost in the Shell Arise, which is another reboot. So yeah, I, what give me a little like background on where how do you consume Ghost in the Shell? Ghost, you have so many options. One, you can read the original manga, which is very short. Uh, came out in 1989. Uh, then you can watch the movie in 1995, which is probably the most famous piece of Ghost in the Shell media. Um, then there's Standalone Complex, which is a rebooted version of the story with new storylines. It's even longer. There's a sequel to that, which is called Second Gig. So you have all of the Standalone Complex stuff. And then in the last couple years, they've released another reboot, which is called Ghost in the Shell Arise, which they're, they're all similar and different in many ways. And that's another reason why I think this movie can work. You can just accept it as another piece of Ghost in the Shell uh, material. You can take it or you can leave it. It's just another alternate uh, retelling of the story. So I have the uh, trailer pulled up here, and we're going to walk through it and mm-hmm. just sort of see what's going on. Yeah. It, like, starts with this weird, like, geisha sort of walking thing. Mm-hmm. And, really uh, creepy looking. Yeah, that mask is just very weird. Mm-hmm. 
And then, and then we get that first great shot of, of the city. Neo Tokyo. Yeah. And they seem to have like holograms floating through everywhere. Yeah, and they're fucking like Godzilla sized. Yeah, it's very Which I actually strange. really like. I like that look. It's just it's different. Um, reminiscent of the original Ghost of the Shell. This one right the scene with the way the robots like walk. Oh, they yeah. They do like the spider walk that's really creepy. Just the way they blink their eyes are disturbing. Um yeah. Like, like, look at the mouth, the way it, like, opens up like a freaking trap, like something out of Five Nights at Freddy's. It's very weird that they have, they just show you the advanced robotics that's going on mm-hmm. right now. These guys bust in, and then we get a recreation of the classic scene uh, with the Major jumping off of the building, wearing her uh, her skin-tight prosthetic suit, which, in the original versions, uh, particularly the movie version, it basically looked like she was naked. Obviously, they don't want to go for an R rating for this movie because uh, they want as many people to see it as possible. So uh, at least I don't think it's going to be rated R. Uh, so you actually get to see uh, – it's basically a suit that she's wearing, like a skin-tight suit. Yeah. But it's, it's like, still so skin-tight that you kind of have to double-take for a second. Yeah, it's even um, like peach-colored. That like, scene right there where she's sitting on her uh, her bed like looking at – that's like taken straight from the movie. It does um, have that sort of feel. I mean that that is an exact replica of that shot. Um, I Again, love the this Neo Tokyo with the with the goldfish holograms flowing through the city and like swimming through air and stuff. That's crazy. That's cool looking. I really do like those visuals. I, um, the I'll red never be district. able to pay attention to anything in the future. <laughs> There's just so much shit going on. More of the crazy giant holograms. Okay, um, Scarlet Joe mm-hmm. making out with some. Because we got to have that. Cream mulattis, mulatto Now, goddess. here's the scene where we get to see her actually being built. And uh, a lot of... Like, Which that was, shot, the, like, the intro. It was the intro of um, the uh, show. Yeah, that show, like, that shot with her covered in the white. Uh, pause the trailer for a second. Um, where she's covered in the white and everything. Um, that is actually a shot from the original Ghost in the Shell. And you can actually, by looking at that, you can kind of see where Westworld... Uh, I think oh, took it's a little a, bit it's of inspiration. It's obvious, like, Westworld... Westworld, the, the whiteness of it. I don't yeah. know. They took a lot of inspiration from that scene, um, and it's all sort of coming and forward. And this is like almost the fight scene we were just looking at? Yeah, like set in the slums and everything, in yeah. the water. Boom. She knocks the fuck out of this dude. This is also where the Depeche Mode song comes in, which I love Depeche Mode, and Enjoy the Silence can be applied to just about anything and make it epic. Uh, here's a great shot of Chief Aramaki, who's uh, one of the big characters from the show. He actually does, to me, looks like a live-action version of that character. I don't is he know. A good guy Even or the a bad hair, guy? like how it's sort of parted, almost Wolverine style. Yeah, like is, that's that's what he would look like to me. So I think they did go with him. This Here, is here's like, a character that people are just bitching about. Um, and honestly, I think they did a good job with him. I don't know how you make that guy look normal. All right, so that's Bato, and Bato's eyes I think look pretty good. I think I'd make them a little bigger. Um, but other than that, like when I see him, my first thought was, "Oh, that's fucking Bato. How could that not be him?" You know, he's like. It doesn't strike me as a. I knew who that guy was immediately. Mm, like yeah. I didn't even know his name, but uh, I knew who that was. But a lot of the the comments that I've seen from people is that they do not like the look of this character. They think he's too small. Too small? Too they wanted small. a bigger buffer they guy? They wanted like an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of like size for this guy, which I can understand. Bato is freaking huge in the anime version, but like the overall look of his hair and his eyes, I really think uh, capture the character. He does have a face. beard now. Uh, but still, like, I had no confusion when I saw that character. I'm like, that's fucking Bato. Now, here's a shot of him 
and he doesn't have his prosthetic cybernetic eyes yet. So this leads me to believe that's probably going to be a flashback. Yeah. Maybe seeing like what happened to him before he got those eyes or the enhancements. And, and then the rest of the trailer is just a bunch of shots that make no fucking sense. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a like of- a dude on fire. There's the shot oh, of the guy. Yeah. Shooting uh, across the water. Shooting across the water trying to attack the major. And then it's just just an assault on your senses. That final scene with all of the cyborgs clawing after her, though, that's that's a great shot. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, I don't think they should have shown that scene right there at the end. What I think is that? That's pretty sure that's the puppet master. Okay. Uh, who's basically the main villain of the film. I really wish they hadn't shown that. Um, but it's starting to get into the, like the philosophy of the film right there too, like how her past was stolen from her and people are using it for their own motives and everything. Um, so maybe they'll be able to incorporate that and make it work, but I don't know. I liked the trailer. It's not too often uh, that I can see a trailer of a movie that I'm not really all that interested in and it got me hyped up, but it did. Maybe it was Depeche Mode. I don't know. Like I said, I I really do think that, that, that song can work so well. Oh, you're looking at uh, the new movie. Yeah, I have. Which seen is sort this. of like a. This is like a compilation of, uh, or actually no, it's it's a sequel to uh, I think one of the newer series. But uh, yeah, this is just another version of Ghost of the Shell, um, and it's pretty solid too. I've actually seen this before. Oh really? I reckon I recommend pretty much any version of Ghost of the Shell. To be perfectly honest, they're all good in their very own way. Well, that's cool. I'm excited to actually uh, uh, see some of this other stuff because I've always got like, for some reason, when I was younger, Ghost in the Shell just like burned me out because it's so depressing. Oh, it did. Like when I was when I watched it when I was like younger, like I didn't know if I liked it or not. I knew that the animation was good, but I just I was too young to like really appreciate it. And like I said, even now when I watch it, it's it's strange. And it, it also makes me reflect on the fact that I was really glad like a year ago when we were getting those free boxes of stuff. Yeah, that uh, one of the DVDs was Ghost in the Shell. Oh really? So actually, still, uh, I own a copy of the uh, the film, and I'm actually kind of anxious to sort of rewatch it before I check out this movie to sort of like refresh myself a little bit on it. And one, it's just it's a fun movie to rewatch. It's just, it's just a lot of people call it one of the greatest anime films of all time, and I can see where they're coming from. Watching this trailer makes me want to watch this again. Interesting. Yeah, like I love the. I even like the new animation style of these ones, but I mean the classic one just has that like hand drawn sort of that hand drawn old school kind of gritty anime feel to it. That's like even though it came out in the nineties, you'd think it would have come out in the eighties. Yeah, it definitely has an eighties. Like it gives me that kind. It gives me kind of an Akira vibe, even though I do believe Akira has better animation than Ghost of the Shell. But Ghost of the Shell still has fucking great animation. Yeah, it does. Like beautiful. Like there are just some amazing scenes. Um, like you're looking at the the big uh, scene where she jumps off the building where, yeah, she's basically borderline naked right there. You see Nip. Yeah, you see it all. But, yeah, I mean, they've basically taken that scene and recreated it. You can see, uh, <laughs> I hate talking about it because I'm not a Matrix fan, uh, the scene where What's-Her-Name is always jumping off buildings and shit. Yeah, th- there's a lot of, ma- you can tell the Matrix was heavily inspired by this. Like big time. But, I mean, like that's one of the big differences is like this scene right here. Um, it's probably going to be different in the movie version. Like it looks like they basically made it a little more action packed. Like there is action in the scene, but it's it's surprisingly minimal at times. But yeah, this in the, looks in the really movie version. Cool. They just busted. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know, it's just it's so different. But I mean, you know, they gotta I guess increase the action a little bit. I've heard some fans bitching about that as well. They don't like the action. They think it's too action packed and just too. Hollywoodified, if you will. Well, if that gets anime to be a bigger thing, then I'm down. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm down to make this as big as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, like, see that right there, Matrix. Yeah, they took that directly from that. Yeah, basically the Wachowskis were, you know, they were so impressed by this and they wanted to sort of like honor it or steal it. 
Yeah, or steal it all together. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you got to put the jacks in the back of the neck and everything. Like, I mean, it just... It Robot totally, people. It, it, and you'd think that would make me like The Matrix more? It doesn't. <laughs> Not The first one's good, Corey. Eh, okay. They didn't know what they had yet, so they hadn't fucked it up. Yeah, it's okay. But um, I'll give you that. It's okay. The first one's okay, but the sequels are just garbage. But yeah, here's that classic, the Westworld scene. The Westworld scene mm-hmm. where she's like forming through the white goo. Mm-hmm. They hadn't. They got to dip you in milk yeah. to make. Which you I a wonder person. if they're going to try and like mirror this a little bit for the actual live live action movie. If they're going to like open up with this. This is the skin graft. To, yeah, this is when get you get your, all this. your white goo skin. You know? <laughs> My goo. <laughs> the, freaking, the Rob Reiner goo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about this movie though. Yeah. When's it come before out? I was like mildly like, eh, it'll be okay. But that trailer got me pumped up. Not gonna lie. When uh, does this come out? I think it actually comes out in March. Um, really? Check real quick, yeah. Which is way sooner than later. I, you know, I mean, I'm actually kind of shocked that we got a full trailer this soon. I mean, they've clearly been working on this movie very hard. Um, it is going to be released on March 31st, so basically April uh, of 2017. So in the spring, we will see Ghost in the Shell live action in theaters with Scarlett Johansson as the major. Uh, they they make it a notion to only simply call her the major. And I have a feeling they did that, of course, is because from the backlash of whitewashing, they, they don't want to call, call her, her uh, Motoko Kusanagi. Which, but then again, you got a character named Bato, <laughs> who's played by uh, this guy whose name I cannot pronounce. What else has that dude been in? Pil- oh, get ready for this, Pilo Ab Asbike. I'm not. He's Danish. Okay. Ching chong lu luchi lai. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's Danish. They're all going to think Bato's just a big goofball. Um, but yeah, the, and he's he's played in a Danish political drama called Borgen. He plays uh, he plays <laughs> he plays Euron Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. Oh, Euron Greyjoy. Euron Greyjoy. You got a picture of him. I'm trying to find one. I can't find it. Um, I want to see him in Game of Thrones, and then yeah. I'll remember him. Let me see. I'm looking up a picture right now. Euron Greyjoy. Oh, he's the new bad uncle. He's the new bad uncle that's uh, about to go against the other Greyjoys. Mm. That guy's good. So, yeah, he's he's going to be playing uh, Bato. <laughs> Bato. Bato! Coming to you in March. Hell, yeah. I'm excited. I really am. I, I'm, I'm going to try and get past the whole... I wish he was a Japanese, you know, kind of thing. But uh, there it is. See that great window shot? Oh, that's the window shot? One I think there's another shot of her actually, like, sitting down. But, I mean, it's like they, they recreate a lot of the classic imagery, and I think they're doing a good job of it. This is her boot sequence where she oh, yeah. turns on. Oh, yeah. You'd like to boot her sequence. I'd like to boot Look, Scarlett man, Johansson's sequence any day. I think we're all down for sex robots. So as soon as they can get some good AI, you know. It's going to fuck up society when they come yeah, I think it is, robots. too. I think it's really going to send you know, like shit into whack. Because <laughs> dudes won't want to talk to chicks. No, they, they it's like, why, why would I want to hear about your day when I can go fuck my robot? That is always <laughs> hot. Forever. <laughs> I mean, imagine having your very own Major Kusanagi. I mean, let's be honest. And that shit's coming, guys. I don't mean to get into a crazy conversation about sex robots, but there is going to be some crazy shit soon. You know, maybe not soon. Definitely, if you were born in 100 years from now, who knows what the Oh, fuck. yes, you are turning me on. Uh, that'd be an option if you want the shitty 50s robot to fuck. <laughs> you know? That'd be an option. Nah, uh, British accent this time. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, I, th- I think it's good. I'm glad that we're being optimistic about this because... About sex robots? No. <laughs> well, yeah, of course about <laughs> sex robots. But about Ghosts in the Shell, um, I, I honestly didn't expect to like the trailer as much as I did, but I was really digging it. So much so to the point, like, when I got home last night, uh, I was just I watched it like ten times in a row. And I've just I've got it all like stuck in my head. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with it. Uh, there's potential for this movie, which means there could be potential for more anime adaptations in the future. Whether that's necessary is really sort of unknown. I mean, I still think that anime is a medium that needs to stay anime simply because of how unique it is and how a lot of it simply can't be replicated. But for more of these more you know traditionally realistic looking anime, it could work. It's possible. We'll see. Yeah. So Rogue One comes out soon, Corey. Oh my god, I know. Rogue One comes out, and I'm ready for <laughs> South Park to rip it a new one. I'm down. I think that's what it's building up to, man. But no, I'm, I'm totally horrible... excited for Star Wars, of course. You think it's... <laughs> oh my god, mermaids are not real. <laughs> <laughs> that's random to people not seeing what we're seeing. <laughs> uh, anywho... Okay, guys. Well, so thank you so much for listening to Powerful Nerdcast. Yes, we appreciate it. Now, you guys heard our thoughts about the brand new Ghost in the Shell movie, but we would love to hear from you guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to leave us a comment or two. Are you excited for Ghost in the Shell, or do you think it looks like a big piece of shit? And are there any other anime series that you would love to see be made into a live-action movie? Make sure to tell us. And before we wrap up, I would just like to take a moment to thank our network, Rogue Intel. Rogue Intel's awesome. They allow us to speak our minds and make the show and do pretty much whatever we want, and that's why they're awesome. And if you want to see some more awesome shows, make sure to check out RogueIntel.com. And if you would like to help keep the network going, please head over to RogueIntel.com slash Amazon for all of your shopping needs. If you're interested in Ghost of the Shell, check out Amazon. You might be able to pick up a DVD there. Not only will you get a great anime film, but you will be supporting a lot of great people who work really hard on awesome podcast shows. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a portion of your total will go towards the Rogue Intel Network. Christian, you got anything else for us? Butt sex. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening, and until next time... 